with Ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are, um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effect. They're coming for our food next. He who controls the food controls the people. What are you going to do when our shelves are as bare as those in Europe? Now, grow your own food with electroculture. Your food will grow faster and bigger and more nutritious with no chemicals, no side effects, no ecocide. And you'll have peace of mind and save money too. This month, get a free six-pack of 12-inch green thumb antennas with any $50 purchase at electrofreedom.com. Just use promo code LEAP at checkout and get your seedlings started today. to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no. Not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply. Refuse to show vaccine passports. Refuse to wear a mask. Refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. 
This ends now. Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. Because I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. Because I am a soldier. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I am a soldier. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. I will win. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army. I am marching. I am claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier. dream the other night. I didn't understand. A figure walking through the mist with a rifle in his hand. His clothes were torn and dirty as he stood there by the bed. He took off his three-cornered hat and speaking low, he said, We fought a revolution to secure your liberty. We wrote the Constitution as a shield from tyranny. For future generations, this legacy we gave to make you the land of the free and home of the brave. The freedoms we secured for you, we thought you'd always keep. But tyrants labor endlessly while your parents were asleep. Now your freedom's gone 
your courage is lost. You're no more than a slave in your land of the free and home of the brave. You buy permits to travel, permits to own a gun, permits to start a business or build a place for one. On land you think you own, you pay your yearly rent, but you don't have a voice in saying how that money spent. Now your children attend a school that doesn't educate and your Christian values can't be taught according to the state. You read about your current news in a regulated press and pay more taxes than you owe to that thing called IRS. Your money's no longer made of silver or of gold. You trade your wealth for paper so your life can be controlled. And you pay for crimes that make your nation turn from God in shame. Now you've taken Satan's number and traded in your name. You give your government control to those who could do you harm so they could padlock churches and steal the family farm and keep the nation deep in debt while putting men of faith in jail and then harass your fellow countrymen while your corrupt courts prevail. Your public servants don't uphold the solemnest they've sworn. And now your daughters visit doctors so their children won't be born. You send guns and artillery to foreign shore, and then you send your youth to slaughter, fighting other people's wars. Could you regain the freedoms for which we fought and died, or have you lost your courage and your faith to stand with pride? Are there no more values for which you fight to save? Or do you wish your children to live in fear and be a slave? And people of this republic, it's time to rise and take a stand. Defend the Constitution, the supreme law of your land. Preserve your great republic and every God-given right. And let us pray to God to keep that torch of freedom burning bright.
Welcome back, Freedom Gardeners, to another episode of Freedom Gardens. I am V. Lynn. Heather, unfortunately, couldn't join me today as she had to work, which sucks. But got to pay the bills, right? Right. Or <laughs> you can do what I did. Pray. Grow your own food. Eliminate your grocery bill, because that's one of the biggest bills these days. We all know this. It's insane. I went to the grocery store the other day because while I'm planting, I did not grow enough last year to see us all the way through the winter. I started too late, honestly. I started planting at the wrong time. I did not do enough research first. Um, so I planted. I started planting in end of April, or I'm sorry, end of March, beginning of April, like first week in April. <clears throat> and while we ate out of our gardens all year, while they were producing, once they stopped producing, I had nothing left over. I was not able to can last year. Just didn't make enough, didn't produce enough. I have boys and dogs and chickens and they eat a lot. 
So that means I have to grow double what I grew last year. I'm fine with that. Everything's a learning experience. And things that I was not successful with last year, I figured out mostly it was because I planted them too late. So I'm uh, planting early now. I've already started. February is the most important month in your garden. So if you've never started a garden before, if you've never had a garden, if you don't have land and you're like, what do I do? I want to grow stuff. I want to I want to save on my grocery bill. I want to stop being poisoned by chemicals in our food. I want to be able to trust what I'm eating is good for me, actually has nutrition, but you're overwhelmed. It's okay. Take a deep breath. That's what I'm here for. Literally, that's what I'm here for. That's why I do this show. Uh, actually, I made a new friend this week. She came by to get some eggs. Now, generally, if someone's asking for farm fresh eggs, they've already fallen down the conspiracy rabbit hole. The poison food, poison air, poison water. We're all there, right? That's why we're here. <clears throat> so, and uh, she just moved here. She's from up north. Where up north, you start in April. Which is why I started in April, because I'm originally from up north. And so, I know it can be a little overwhelming. I walked her around the the homestead, showed her the gardens, showed her my planting charts, what to start now. And uh, I think maybe she was even more overwhelmed. So first step is seeds, right? What are you going to grow? Even seeds, I feel like you can't trust a lot of them anymore. So that's why we go with a seed company that's I know that I trust, that I've used for years. In fact, I was planting seeds this year that was packaged for 2022. Um, and they're coming up great, no problem. And that is Survival Essentials. So if you need seeds, you want to get started, go to survival-essentials.com, use promo code DEFIANT, you save 10% on your order. And honestly, they're very reasonably priced in the first place. I mean, Individual packs of seeds right now are going for like four or five dollars in the grocery store. And they're not heirloom. They're not necessarily non-GMO. Survival Essentials is all that. Heirloom seeds, non-GMO. Um, the other issue that I've noticed lately or that I've been hearing about is that people buy seeds that are labeled as one thing and they come up as something entirely different. I've never had that issue with Survival Essentials. So start with your seeds, survival-essentials.com. Promo code defiant saves you 10%. Okay. So then once you get your seeds, what do you plant? And a couple of weeks ago, I walked you guys through a site, um, like what to plant when. I think it's uh, I think it's like that, what, what to plant when or something like that. Anyway, just look up what to plant when based on your zone. Know what zone you're in because that's really important. I'm an 8B. Okay. That means it doesn't really freeze. We get a couple weeks of cold weather, but that's about it. I know a lot of you guys up north, there's still snow on the ground. It's still freezing up there. Although, you know, it's funny at the beginning or mm, the end of the summer, just the start of fall and Mick and I were discussing um, how the winter was going to be. And I said, oh no, we're going to have a really mild winter. And nope. He was like, oh no, it's going to, it's going to be so rough. It's everyone's going to freeze. It's going to be so cold. We're going to get so much snow, yada, yada. I said, nope. 
And all the weather people were saying, oh, it's going to be so cold this winter. I said, nope. Why? Because of the Hunga Tonga volcano. I already, I mean, I knew this. We talked about the Hunga Tonga. It is an underwater volcano that exploded in January of 2021, I believe. And it spewed 15%. It added 15% moisture to the atmosphere, superheated moisture, formed a big humidity bubble over the earth equals a mild winter. So I was already planning on planting all winter or mostly. Um, I mean, realize I just cut my pepper trees down like not even a month ago. And now I'm planting new ones. I mean, those are still going uh, and they'll come back hopefully because I, I don't think it's going to get cold here again. I think we're done. We had a couple nights where it got down in the 30s this past week, but I mean, it's, I'm in a sweatshirt because I'm inside, but it's literally almost 80 to get this week, like 80 degrees today. It was 78. So planting. So again, I'm trying to get organized. I don't know if this will let me show. <laughs> nope. Um, I don't think this will pull my pictures. No, it sure won't. All right. I'm going to do it a different way then. All right. So... This is my January planting guide, right? Now I, I made, I have uh, dry erase boards that you can like cut and stick anywhere, cut to size and stick up. So this is my January one. As I've been filling it in, which this is about done, um, you know, a couple of things obviously I planted at the beginning of February, but close enough for it not to matter. Uh, and a lot of stuff that you can plant in January, you can plant in February. So the only thing I didn't get to is parsley, parsnips, rosemary and kohlrabi. That's it. So, um, then now today is February 10th. Here is my February planting guide. It's almost done now. I'm looking for artichokes. I'm debating on artichokes. I'm not planting asparagus this year because I have a whole field of asparagus. Um, and I'm, you know, asparagus takes a couple of years to get big enough to eat. Last year it was pretty skinny this year. And I had some second year plants, some first year plants last year. So now I'm going into second year plants and third year plants. My third year ones, I should be able to eat. We should be able to eat no problem. So beets, I planted some beets in January. I need to plant some more bell peppers. I have a whole row of bell pepper trees. Um, I don't need more bell peppers. The broccoli I had planted, um, I had transplanted into the garden, but I also planted broccoli seeds. And then I planted Brussels sprouts uh, in the pepper garden, cabbage as well. Cantaloupe I planted in two different places, both in the um, planter, well, the pillar that fell down in 
by our driveway that I've turned into a planter to go down kind of in front of the house. And then I built a melon box yesterday and planted some in there. Carrots I haven't gotten to yet. Carrots were rough for me last year. So I think uh, I'm actually going to plant carrots and Pepsi bottles this coming week. Cauliflower, I uh, did the same as with the broccoli. I transplanted some of it and some of it I just planted new seeds. Chili peppers, I planted seeds. I planted a whole tray of pepper seeds. Uh, herbs I haven't gotten to yet. So chives, cilantro, coriander, um, that's coming up this week or next week. Because again, it's only February 10th, so I still have 18 days to plant in February. Collards, I'm debating on collards just because we don't really eat them. I don't want to waste space planting something that we're not going to eat. Cucumbers I planted um, in the pepper garden. Eggplants, I have a bunch of eggplant plants, but I think I'm going to plant a few more, probably in pots. Endive, uh, I may or may not plant. Fennel, I want to plant. I have to see if I have seeds for it. Bok choy is planted. The garlic I planted in January, but I'm going to plant some more in February. Basically, the stuff in uh, the back that didn't come up because I think the squirrels got it. Honeydew melons, I did the same as with the cantaloupe. Planted them both in the front and in the melon box that I built. Kale, I planted in the melon box. Uh, kohlrabi, I planted in the pepper garden. Lettuce in the pepper garden. Leeks, um, I actually bought some leeks from the store and I cut it down and I stuck it in water and uh, the whole thing rooted and I just planted that. Lemon balm, marrow, again, herbs that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, mustard greens, kind of the same as the collards. We don't really eat them, so I don't want to waste space on them. I grew them last year. They were fantastic. I mean, they were, they were beautiful. They came up. They were so healthy and we didn't really eat them, so... Uh, I planted bunching, bunching onions in the pepper garden, oregano and parsley I still have to get to, although I still have a whole big thing of parsley. Uh, peas I planted all over the place, and those have started to sprout. Potatoes as well. I planted um, some yesterday at the bottom of the melon box. Radishes I have not gotten to yet. That's going to be in the east garden when we get there. Rhubarb. I don't know about rhubarb. I don't know if I'm going to plant rhubarb. I tried it last year. I was not successful. I planted it too late. Can't plant it in April. Got to plant it in February. But then again, I don't really like rhubarb. It's very bitter. So the rock melon I planted in the melon box yesterday. Rosemary I haven't gotten to yet, but I do have a big rosemary bush. Spinach went in the pepper garden uh, at the beginning of the month. Peppers. I planted a whole seed tray of peppers. Swiss chard went in the pepper garden. Uh, thyme I need to plant yet. Tomatoes I planted a whole tray of. Um, and I brought in my seedlings. And then turnips and yams I have to plant. And zucchini I planted along the fence line. So again, it's February 10th. And I've gotten all this knocked out, which is pretty awesome. I'm going to get all this done by the end of February. Or everything that I intend to plant on here. So my organization is going along swimmingly right now. I'm liking it. So then let's move this back over here. Okay. Then I also have projects that I need to get to still, but I did get some of them knocked out. 
And so let's see where we're at in the planting. There it is. All right. So Let me show you guys what I've done this week. This was fun. All right, check it out. I turned mixed used Pepsi bottles into little mini greenhouses. So I had taken a whole bunch of lemon seeds from the lemons that I juiced last month and put them in a paper, paper towel a uh, wet paper towel inside a plastic bag and actually set them on top of my arrow garden under the extra grow lights for about a month and a whole bunch of them sprouted so i planted them in here there's three in each one for seven total so i should have potentially 21 lemon trees i'll be selling some of those and then over here i have our uh, specialty herbs so I had done a whole harvest of just seeds last year. Now I've planted those seeds and we'll see how they do. Again, there's three in each one. This time there's nine. So potentially up to 27. We'll see. That's the good stuff. I named it Rasta HD 23. It's the stuff we brought back from Jamaica that I planted and I let the males go and I just got a seed harvest. So now I've replanted the seeds. I'm not going to let the males um, go. I'm going to pull them as soon as I see them this year. So that'll make a big difference. Growing our own medicine. Food is medicine. Anyway. I planted these yesterday over here. I have my red pear tomatoes in here. Uh, there's already lettuces growing in here. So I just left those and planted them along the edge because I'm actually going to leave them in this and put this up against the uh the big metal trellis and let the tomatoes crawl up that so i've got those and then over here i've got my roma tomatoes in the center i'm basically doing the same thing and here san marzano tomatoes doing the same thing so i planted these yesterday and i am waiting on them to sprout and once they do, then I will put them in the, uh, again, I'll leave them in these and just put them up against the edge of the trellis and let them go. This one, I'm planning on raising the dirt up as it sprouts, um, covering the stems. I'll do the same with this one. So, getting my tomato started. So when I juiced my lemons last month, specifically on January 8th, I saved back the seeds and I tried to germinate them. So I got two paper towels damp and I laid them out flat and I put the seeds in between them and then I just slid them into a gallon side Ziploc bag and I actually put them on top of my arrow garden because I have an extra set of lights that go down on top of them. And I checked them every once in a while. And the other day I saw that a good, almost two dozen of them had germinated, sprung forth from the seeds and I had little green shoots and roots coming out. So I decided to plant them. So yesterday I planted. Since Mick quit drinking, he's turned to Pepsi. I have Pepsi plastic bottles out the wazoo. So I took 
each one, cut it, and uh, put holes in the bottom. And I planted three lemon seeds in each one. I labeled it in there, you can see, lemon. And then I taped it up with some packing tape and I left it out here to form its own little greenhouse. So I've got seven two liters with lemon seeds sprouting in them right now. So then today I took milk jugs and juice jugs and tea jugs and whatever and cut them in half, did the same thing, poked holes in the bottom. And this I planted out with cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Swiss chard, and spinach. And then yesterday I planted these as well with some seeds that a friend gave me. So we'll see how those do. So use what you have, repurpose. Why buy seed packs or little seed things when you can use what you have? I'm all about repurposing this year. I mean, I've been all about repurposing for a while, but um, now I'm I'm actively doing that. So my plan with the carrots is to do the same thing with the Pepsi bottles, except fill it basically all the way to the top with soil, with a, a loose soil. And uh, just cut it off at the top, plant the carrot seeds in there, probably maybe three per bottle, right? Per two liter. I want my carrots to get nice and big and the more space they have, the bigger they'll get. Um, so, uh, and then tape the top on until I see the shoots start coming up and then take it off and just leave it in there. And I figure if I plant one bottle of carrots every three or four days, then that's succession planting, right? So then one will be ready and the next week, the next will be ready and etc. going down the line. So then I can actually have carrots. Same thing with parsnips, which I love parsnips. If you guys aren't familiar with parsnips, um, they're big up north, but uh, it's kind of a cross between a, a turnip and a carrot. They're really good. So I'm going to do the same thing with parsnips. Um, I might just do two per bottle, but because they can get really, really big. So um, so that was that was my big, well, one of my big projects this week was to go through and, and get all those things started. I am keeping them inside my enclosed pool area um, on the shelf that I moved back there, as you could see, right by my back garden. So uh, easier to water, keep the bugs off of them, that kind of a thing, like squirrels and stuff. Keep the predators away from eating my food because that's what got to my garlic. Anyway, um, my chicken Emmy. I've been telling y'all a little bit about my chicken Emmy all week. So two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, the neighbor's dogs got into the chicken enclosure. They swam around the fence, swam the pond and got in there. And uh, two of the chickens, two of the roosters, well, they initially caught one of the hens. The dogs caught one of the hens and the roosters kind of fought the dogs off and then distracted them while the other roosters got all the rest of the hens to safety. So, um, anyway, the one hen that they caught initially, I didn't realize that she was really injured. Normally when chickens get injured like that, they just die. Like if they get traumatized, they just die. Sometimes if you leave them for too long, like even if you have someone come in to, to sit with them, they just die because they're very, very 
emotionally sensitive creatures. So uh, anyway, Emmy's got a huge heart. So she was hiding and I found her after a couple of days and brought her in, gave her an Epsom salt bath. We played that last week. And I had her in Liam's room for 10 days. And then, you know, she's obviously, she got through the infection, got over it. We used silver, colloidal silver and uh, chicken bacitracin, essentially. Um, I straight up used Neospor in the first couple nights until I was able to get some vetricin. And then uh, now silver cream, because basically like whole a whole flap of skin got torn off, but it was still attached at the top and I needed to, I needed to stop the blood flow there. So I took a hair tie and I wound it up as tight as I could around that flap. So she's currently running around with a hair tie on her and I snipped some of the feathers there so I could see it better. She's got two good puncture wounds, but after 10 days, I put her back out into the flock because she got through the infection and I felt she needed to be outside in the fresh air with friends. But those friends are no longer her friends. They started to attack her almost immediately. So uh, she went back to hiding. She was hiding under a bush. So I'd go out looking for her and she'd come running to me to jump in my arms, give me kisses, snuggle. Um, but I couldn't put her back in Liam's room because it smells like a freaking chicken coop in there. And I just cleaned it. Anyway, I still felt she needed to be outside. So we have another hen as well, a silky hen, little mama, and she's our only silky. And they bully her a lot too. And she's always hiding. So I decided to move both of them into the back, uh, into my back area where I make electrical antennas, where my pool house is. It is behind a fence, behind a wood fence. Um, and a metal fence on the other side so the dogs can't get in there, separated by the pool enclosure. So again, the dogs can't get through there. So my intention was to pull the old chicken coop out of the enclosure. That didn't work. So I ended up having to build essentially a sick coop out of two dog crates that I finagled together with what I had in my yard. And yesterday I moved Emmy and little mama, the silky, into the back. So here's some... Here's some Emmy. So I put Emmy back in the flock and what used to be her best friend started attacking her. She's so much smaller than now. She lost so much weight. She was out there for a couple days, but she's just been hiding under a bush every day. So I made her a new coop. I was going to bring out the old coop out of the enclosure, but then I realized that we built the enclosure around the coop so it doesn't fit out the door. So I took two old dog crates and I connected them with what I have. And then I have this big blanket that I'm throwing over it at night. It's got some roosts in there. I'll put some food in there. And I'll probably bring little mama out here to hang out with her. But now she has the whole back to roam around in and uh, she can heal back here, be healthy, get healthy before I put her back in the flock. Just can't keep her in Liam's room anymore. So here she comes. Huh, Miss Emmy? All she wants to do is sit in my arms and snuggle. She's so sweet. How pretty girl. Poor Emmy. You see that big hole in the top of her? Anyway. So while I was back there, since I was building the coop and moving the chick the two chickens back there anyway, 
Um, and I, I don't know why that video was sideways. It's weird. Um, I did a lot of other stuff back there too. Check this out. Of course I gave her a bowl of water and some feed, but she's much happier drinking water off the ground and weeds out of the strawberries. That's okay though. She's welcome to weed my strawberries. Little mama's back here somewhere too, but she immediately went um, this way and started exploring. I have a feeling I'm gonna have a nest of silky eggs back here somewhere and maybe some baby silkies in a while. She's back there. Oh, there she is. There she is. Hi, little mama. She's just chilling. Like she might be laying an egg. So, the chickens have been moved, these two anyway. So you see what a mess that was when I first started back there. So I took the weed whacker to it and I cleaned it up and I built a melon box back there because that's where I'm going to grow melons in that whole back spot there. So check this out. So I built a potato and melon box out of pallets, half pallets, and put potatoes, well, I put a layer of pine straw on the bottom and then some cardboard that was already decomposing. And then I filled it with pine straw. So still a lot of pine straw left, but filled it with pine straw. I'm about to put this fourth side on here to make an actual box and then put a layer of compost on top, dirt, and then plant some melons. See how they go. So it was uh, quite a bit of work. Let's see where I'm at here. But it worked out really well, actually. So check this out. All right, <clears throat> so I put uh, a thin layer of compost on top of the pine straw, about two inches maybe, enough to plant the seeds and get them going. I'm gonna plant the seeds now and then put actually another layer of pine straw on top to keep them warm and moist. So. And then hopefully the melons will come out the sides here and uh, we'll have fruit in a few months. That's really my goal because last year for all the melon seeds I planted, which again, I planted them too late. I planted them in like April and May. It was way too late. I got one watermelon. <clears throat> that was it. One watermelon. So February is the most important month. Start planting now. Find out what you can plant now in your area and start planting now. Then I got all my seeds in and labeled. So I've got red Russian kale in the center and five rows. And then around the outside, I've got five different types of melon. So rock melon, Minnesota midget melon, cantaloupe, uh, heart of gold melon, and honeydew green flesh melon. And then I alternated that with uh, super snappy peas. So I use the rest of those. So those go all the way around. I cover it with another light layer of soil and then a layer of pine straw, watering in and I'm done. And that whole thing from cutting down all the stuff in the back, <clears throat> building the box out of the pallets, raking up all the pine straw. So again, I put, I put a layer of pine straw down <clears throat> I built 
three sides of the box, put a layer of pine straw down, put a layer of cardboard on it, put some more pine straw on it, put in nine potatoes that were already starting to, you know, germinate, root up. I did not cut the potatoes. I'm a lazy potato gardener. I hate cutting potatoes and sticking them out in the sun, half of them rot. Nope. Um, I just let each potato grow. So put the potatoes in, then I put more pine straw, a lot more pine straw, ended up cleaning up almost the whole back area. Now I can actually mow it. Um, and then, uh, which maybe I hear the boys mowing out there. Maybe they'll, they won't get to that. Um, then I put that layer of compost, then the seeds, a little bit more soil on top, and then a whole nother layer of pine straw on top of that and watered it all in. And I'm just going to let it go. I mean, I'll water it, you know, when I water back there once in a while, but I'm just going to let it grow. I'm just, I'm not going to touch it. And I stuck an electroculture antenna in the center, obviously, because that's what you have to do. So, uh, moving on to the front. Let's see how the chickens are doing. Hello, Freedom Gardeners. Let's see what's growing on in the gardens. Of course, as soon as I come over, all the chickens come running. Huh? Okay. Let's see what we got. This garden we're working on next week. I have some plans, some ideas, but that's okay. Right now, oh yeah. And I tried to move this old coop out. And then I remembered when I got it this far that we built the enclosure around the coop, not the other way around. So it doesn't fit through the door. So uh, there it stays for now. Instead, I built a temporary coop out of dog crates. It is what it is. So let's see what's growing here. We planted this garden eight days ago, mostly. The back part we planted like two weeks ago, but eight days ago, we've got peas. All my peas are sprouting up in here. Mm -hmm. That's actually some lettuce from last year, something from last year. In here, I don't see my lettuce heads sprouting yet. That's okay. They'll get there. I've got peas in here as well. Maybe some Brussels sprouts sprouting in here. I don't know. Then down the rows, cabbage, salads, bok choy, a little bit, like one or two sprouts, but nothing big yet. Now back in here, of course this one is two weeks old. So we have kale around there. Still waiting on the onions to come up in the middle. This broccoli is doing awesome. Oop, peas. All the peas are coming up. This broccoli is actually turning into broccoli. Look at that. We have broccoli. We will be able to eat broccoli here soon. So, and all these salad greens are starting to pop. My uh, hose method, hanging hoses is working very well. It's not flooding anything out too, too bad. So, once those sprout, we'll have a better idea of where to step. Peas are coming up in here too. So, of course, the peas were planted two weeks ago. So, uh, it's coming. I have yet to replace the electroculture in here. I just didn't get to it. It happens. Next week. Okay, the garden, the duck enclosure garden. This is almost two and a half weeks, three weeks. 
and then we I planted this before the freeze and then covered it up with leaf mulch. So all my garlic scapes are coming up there. Peas on the side, strawberries, and I planted lettuce down the middle in here, but it, it'll take a while yet. It hasn't come up yet. But we're getting, getting there here. Garlic, again, that's some kind of lettuce from last year there. But peas, peas all the way through. So, we just leave this alone. Again, I've got hanging hoses on here and they just drip. That's working out a lot better for me, by the way, than having soaker hoses on the ground. Because with soaker hoses on the ground, it just floods everything out. Like some places got a lot of water and other places get nothing. So instead hanging them um, to just, it essentially rains in the gardens twice a day. So that's made a huge difference. Um, I looked back on my chart here. There's, uh, the broccoli and the lettuces and the peas were planted January 25th. So just about, just over two weeks ago. So, uh, Griff, I don't see you in here, but I, I recorded this one just for you. Doing sparkles. All your feathers are growing back in. He's showing off. He's trying to get laid. That's why he does a little dance. Ha, silly sparkles. He's gotten a lot bigger too. And the chicken eggs that we get are so big now. It's crazy. Like my second year chickens, their eggs are the size of duck eggs, which is good because I can't find the duck eggs. Now that the ducks are in the pond, I have no idea where they're laying their eggs. Nowhere that I can find. Probably on the other side. We're going to have to go on a serious hunt before I end up with ducklings. So anyway, um, back to the back, to the chickens, to the, the two ladies. Real quick. My girls are hiding back here. What you doing, ladies? Did the boys scare you when they were playing with the tractor? Hmm? So you're just hiding back here in all the flowers? You see little mama behind her, behind Emmy, the little white thing in the back? The two of them, they're now best friends after spending the night in the temporary dog cage together. And got up this morning to let him out and the two of them were all snuggled up together. So, Emmy girl. Emmy's taking a nap. She's much happier back there without everyone bullying her. They're so mean. Chickens can be such assholes. I mean, they can be so sweet. They're, they're like people. Individually, they're really cool put them together, they become an asshole mob. So that's how it works. And they go after the weakest. They attack the, the whoever they perceive as to be the weakest of the bunch. Um, it's what it is. It's true of everything in the wild. True of people too. Anyway, um, so inside, for those of you that are up in the great cold north, 
or even if you just want to start your seedlings now, because when you're gardening, you should think eight weeks ahead. I heard this a little bit ago and it's really stuck with me. Think eight weeks ahead. What you think you should be planting in April, start now. If you can't sow it in the ground, start it as a seedling so that you can actually plant it in the ground in April. Because if you plant seeds in April for things that you want to be seedlings, you're not going to end up harvesting until very much later. So what happened with me with tomatoes last year. I didn't get a whole lot of tomatoes because I started them too late. And then the sun killed them before I could get a lot of production out of them. So, I mean, I got some tomatoes, but not was that what I was expecting because I started them too late. Um, so I actually started some tomato seedlings in December and I pulled them inside for the freeze. And then I started new tomato seedlings just this past week. So they are inside. I had to, uh, reorganize my living room a little bit, not too bad, but just a little bit. Um, primarily so the dogs couldn't get to them. So I put a, a shelf behind a couch next to a window or in front of a window, and I moved all of my uh, tomato seedlings that I had started from seed in December, not that I remember what was what, because I wasn't labeling at that point, point. Uh, and then I put seed racks, like seed trays that I have on the bottom, so check this out. I told y'all that February is the most important month for your garden. I learned that the hard way. But your garden doesn't have to start outside. If it's freezing where you are right now, you can use electroculture inside for your seedlings. Now I pulled my tomato seedlings in for the freeze and I'm hoping to save these coffee trees as well. So I stuck some electroculture antennas in them, put them on a shelf in front of the window. We'll see how they do. I didn't use electroculture in all of them because I want to do a test and see what works and what doesn't. I did use it in my hanging tomato plants here as well as these guys down here. I've got some bigger tomatoes there, some tiny Tim tomatoes there. And then of course, I started my seedlings down here. So I've got two packs of seedlings. Now, once I pull them, once they, you know, sprout up in here and I can pull them out of these little cells, then I'll put them in bigger pots with electroculture antennas. So electroculture works everywhere. Wherever there's ether, electroculture works. So y'all know right now uh, for the month of February, we are running a special at electrofreedom.com. Spend $50. So buy a six pack of the um, Southern Bell antennas or get a six foot antenna. Add the six pack of 12 inch green thumb antennas to your cart. Use promo code LEAP at checkout and that's free so that you can start your seedlings. So if you want to get you know a six foot antenna to put into your garden, your outdoor garden as soon as the ground unfreezes, but you want to start your seedlings now, order that six foot antenna. And uh, again, add the six pack of 12 inch green thumb antennas to your cart. Use promo code LEAP at checkout. The six pack is free so that you can start your seedlings strong. So really important. Start your seedlings now, like start now, because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Um, before we get into cooking with Liam, this is really cool. I wanted to share this with you guys. So, uh, because the thing about electroculture, you know, electroculture is regenerative farming. 
Okay. If you guys aren't familiar with regenerative farming, it's essentially no till farming because when you till, you kill all of the good bacteria along with all the bad bacteria. You, you destroy the whole microbiome of your garden. And you don't want to do that. Uh, instead, you can just add things to your garden, wood ash and coffee grounds and whatever fertilizers you use. Um, I just use duck water and leaf mulch and I'll take, uh, I have a that big metal trough and when I weed, because it's full of water, I'll throw the all the weeds in there and let them sit, especially with like sweet potato slips when you get so many of them, I'll throw them in there and let all of that essentially decompose in there and then use that water to fertilize my gardens. You're making your own fertilizer. It's super easy. So anyway, let me share this with you guys a little bit about uh, regenerative farming. This farmer is straight up schooling a reporter on regenerative farming. I love it. Check it out. And then with cows, people have this fear that cows are taking a lot of water. They use 10 bathtubs full of water. Their cow burps, their cow farts, all the carbon that's put into the air, mm -hmm. and that they take a lot of land. When we manage cattle with regenerative agriculture, they're actually the single best way to sequester carbon from the atmosphere into the soil because by grazing off our plants and bringing the animals in, we're managing a solar panel. Our grass is a solar panel. It needs to be green and growing so it can capture sunlight and pull carbon from the air and put it into its roots. But those plants will stop doing that if they get too tall or if they get too short. And so what we do with our cows is they come in, they graze those plants off, so they reset it, they prune that solar panel so it doesn't get too tall, and then they leave and it rests. And that graze, rest, recovery is actually a cycle of pulling carbon from the air into the plant roots and then when those plants get grazed they actually release that carbon into the soil and in turn pick up water and other minerals from soil microbiological activity because our soils are living and alive instead of dead and sterilized and so that cycle actually builds health and year after year we're pulling more carbon from the atmosphere putting it into our soil which then produces more healthy soil which then produces more grass which then allows us to graze and produce more cattle 70 percent of the earth's land is land that is not suitable for tillage, which is to say you it's uh, inerable, it's just grassland and you can't do anything else with it. And so if you just say, well, we're not, we're not gonna do cattle anymore or any grazing livestock, you've completely given up the ability to produce food on that acreage and you've lost your single best tool to actually restore that land. There are groups out there that have done these same principles in the desert and transformed completely desert landscapes into something that looks like just beautiful and lush, it's, it's incredible. Cattle can be a tool to heal that. And in terms of water and addressing that, they do drink a lot of water. However, they're drinking that water and then they're spreading it out on the fields as they graze. That water then filters down through the healthy soil and returns to those same aquifers. And it actually is a system that helps um, increase soil life and activity because the cows, by drinking that water and then spreading that water on the fields, are actually like continually watering the fields and they're not as reliant on rainwater. And so that cycle actually builds health and builds ecology deep into the soil. And there's no net loss of water in that system because it's a closed system as they're grazing and moving along. Um, even methane, you know, people say, well, they, you know, they burp and they release methane and it's greenhouse gas. Uh, here in the last few years has actually discovered that if you take a field that's been regeneratively grazed with cattle for several years, that soil has microbes in it that break down methane. They didn't think there was a microbe that could handle methane. As it turns out, they do, and when they measure the total amount of them, it turns out that the microbes in that soil that support, say, 100 cows are actually capable of breaking down the methane from way more than 100 cows. 
And it's all how you take care of it in management. They can be a tool of the structure. They can be a tool of life. Mm -hmm. It really just comes down to how you care for them. So obviously we are not cattle farmers, but electroculture has a very similar result because it pulls excess energy from the environment and deposits it into your soil. When you have pulsating energy going into your soil, it attracts life. It attracts all those good microbiomes. It attracts earthworms. I tell you what, every single pot right now, I'm kind of combining, condensing my soils, right? I have a lot of pots that I've pulled things out of and they're just full of dirt. So I'm taking all of that dirt and I'm, you know, using it in other places or putting it in a big, actually it's a keg holder, but I'm using it for soil. Um, and put it all in there because different plants that you put in your soil pull different nutrients. So you don't want to put the same plants back in the same soil over and over again. So um, with my garden, like my outdoor gardens, before I plant them, I open them up and I let the flock in. I let the chickens in there for a week or so and they turn the entire garden. It's fantastic. They put all kinds of good new bacteria in there and they attract all kinds of good stuff and whatnot. But for my containers, again, I don't want to use the same, same soil for the same plants over and over again. So I can like condense all my soil, um, put it all in one spot, start up so that I'm using different soil in different places now. And, uh, and then use it in, you know, different containers. Every single container that I empty, I, like every time I put my hand in, there's just so many worms, so many earthworms in every container. I've never seen anything like it. These are closed containers. Like where are these earthworms coming from? They're attracted to the electroculture. It's living soil. It's not dead soil. The electroculture makes it living. That's why things grow so fast. Because it likes life. Leap into life. Anyway. Um... <clears throat> I absolutely love that. Then, okay. Hmm. The other thing I wanted to show you guys about was water. Okay. Now, we also work with Plant Surge. So, freedomplantsurge.com, uh, that website gets you automatically 10% off of a plant surge unit, which magnetizes your water. Why is that so important? Because just like soil can be living or dead, water can be living or dead. And primarily what we consume these days is dead water. It does you no good. So you want living water. Check this out. Beautiful, 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 beautiful angel. Love your imperfections every All right, hold on. I think this is just uh, music. So let me go ahead and read this for you. Don't make the mistake I made when it comes to the water you're consuming. Our cells can only absorb negatively charged water. I used to consume positively charged water, not knowing it wasn't absorbing and was robbing my energy. Change to negatively charged water, change your life. 
all over the world are waking up right now to an ancient healing water that has been suppressed and kept from us. I'm sure you guys have seen this clip that I'm about to roll right now. Stay tuned for what comes after. At the same time that John D. Rockefeller seized U.S. media, he also hijacked U.S. medicine. When it was discovered that drugs could be produced from petroleum, America's top oil mogul ordered his army of propagandists to invert reality accordingly. Medicines used for thousands of years were suddenly classified as alternative, while the new, petroleum-based, highly addictive, and patentable drugs were declared the gold standard. After buying the German pharmaceutical company that manufactured chemicals of war for Adolf Hitler, Rockefeller leveraged his political influence by pressing Congress to declare natural healing modalities unscientific quackery. Rockefeller then took control of the American Medical Association and began offering massive grants to top medical schools under the mandate that only his approved curriculum be taught. You want to know what else was a threat to these petroleum-based pharmaceuticals? Living water, ancient healing water. Check out this article. In 1918, the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, huh, there's that, there's that word again, located in the U.S., investigated the work of three doctors. Despite positive scientific data and successful field testing of electrolytic water technology by military surgeons in France and Great Britain, the burgeoning field of synthetic pharmaceutical medications was favored by the Western medical establishment. Further development of this technology in the US was relegated to the automotive and aerospace industries. Other countries forged ahead with medical application, which brings us to Japan. So post-World War II, Japanese physicians found themselves wrestling with a broken medical infrastructure and routine shortages of pharmaceutical supplies. In an effort to combat these challenges, they implemented the world's most progressive disease prevention-based health care system. At the time, it was known as Ninjin Doku. Today, it is more commonly referred to as Ninjin Doc. Through this healthcare model, Japanese physicians began investigating alternative methods of disease prevention and management. During these investigations, they discovered that the consumption of electrolyzed reduced water was effective in multiple medical treatments for patients. In 1965, the Japanese Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare recognized the consumption of electrolyzed reduced water as a viable medical treatment method. If you're fortunate enough to wake up to this information about living water, about electrolyzed reduced water, be very, very careful because within this world of electrolyzed reduced water, there is a lot of misinformation, confusion, and scams out there surrounding this water. So you have Japan embracing this water, using this water, showing people this water. And then you have the U.S. that's like, they don't need to know. Japan is based on health care. The U.S. is based on sick care. It's all about the money. Follow the money. This specific water that I'm referring to is approved by the Japanese Association of Preventative Medicine for Adult Diseases.
Over 6,000 doctors have tested this water in clinical applications with their patients. Many doctors over there in Japan will not see you, will not treat you, will not operate on you unless you are drinking this specific type of water because they will say, you are a water being, you are not drinking the right kind of water. No wonder you are having this issue manifest in your body, this issue manifest in your body. Yet on the flip side of that, in many other parts of the world, when we go to a doctor, a lot of the times they're not even asking us how much water we're drinking per day, let alone what kind of water we're drinking. It's the biggest missing piece that so many people are overlooking until now. So many people are waking up to this information right now and it's so beautiful. And the real flex is sharing this information with people who just don't know. This information changes the trajectory of people's lives. When you change your water, you change your life. This water for me didn't come into my life through information of me learning, me researching, me reading articles and PDFs from doctors. I simply was in a situation where I was exposed to this water for a week and I simply just drank it and the water spoke for itself. Me having the background that I have, once I was experiencing things in my body that I couldn't explain, I needed to understand the science of this, what this water was doing in my body, why was it helping my mom? Why was it helping me? Why was it helping everyone I was sharing it with? And that's what ultimately led me to this rabbit hole of what I just shared with you guys of how this has been suppressed and kept from us. Change your water, change your life. There's a reason why they don't want us knowing this information. Wow. Negatively charged water. So, hmm. how do you make negatively charged water? With copper wire. Not even kidding. Pour water into a, hold on, you know what? Let me just send this up. And yeah, Jeff, I'll send this to you real quick. Uh, there you go. Sent to you. Um, that was not what I wanted. Wow. Interesting. Let me try that again. That was not the article that I pulled. Maybe it is. Nope. Um, okay. Negative charge water. <clears throat> How to make negatively charged water. All right. 
Water is the most plentiful substance on earth. And this is from Sciencing, by the way, uh, from 2017. Water is the most plentiful substance on earth, making up about 70% of our planet. Water is comp composed of hydrogen and oxygen molecules. Pure water is neutral, therefore it's a great insulator. However, it's extremely rare. And virtually all water has some substance dissolved in it. A lot more now than in 2017 when this article was written. The hydrogen and oxygen ions in water can be separated by passing an electrical current through the water, which in turn will give it a temporary negative charge. Pour water into a bowl. Use a glass, ceramic, or wooden bowl. Strip the wire. Take two pieces of insulated copper wire, about a foot long each, and strip the insulation off both ends with the scissors or a utility knife. Attach the wire to the battery. Take one of the wires and place one of the ends into one of the diodes on top of the battery. Tape it in place with electrical tape. Tape the other wire to the other diode. Put the wires in the water. Set the nine volt battery next to the bowl, then drop the ends of the wires into the bowl and leave them there. After a while, bubbles will begin to form. It will take some time for the water to bubble up and when the water will have, and the water will have a negative charge as long as the bubbles are present. So negatively charge your water and then drink it right away. Interesting. Um, so I wonder if the, uh, the water cup from fresh mouth, I bet that does the same thing because you see the water bubbles in there and it either adds an extra hydrogen molecule or an extra oxygen molecule to it. Hmm. Very interesting. Anyway, so moving on, last but not least, cooking with Liam. We made red velvet cookies this week and oh my God, they were delicious. They're already gone. So check this out. Red velvet cookies, cooking with Liam. Welcome back to cooking with Liam. What are we making today? Red velvet cookies. Red velvet cookies. All right, so to start for our red velvet cookies, let me turn this light off, it's very bright. There we go. All right, we need our stand mixer. Nope. Okay, stand mixer, always a stand mixer. Y'all gotta buy one of these. It's awesome, yes. All right, so going in the stand mixer, first off, is three quarters of a cup of unsalted butter, right there. Butter. Nope, that's the butter. That's the butter. I Take the wrapper it. off it. See the edge of it here? I... Just dump it in. Okay. I didn't know. Butter. All right. Then four ounces of cream cheese. A lot of cream cheese. Ooh, not really. Not really. Okay. These will be done tonight. No, we'll be done tonight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Four ounces of cream cheese. You want some red velvet cookies? Can you squeeze that out? Mm -hmm. Well, good. Then more for us. They are real cookies. They're basically chocolate chocolate chip cookies. Seriously, that's all red velvet is. It's chocolate, chocolate, double chocolate. Sounds foofy. It's good. Next, we need a cup of white sugar. Of course, we always use king sugar, right? 
and yeah. a cup of brown sugar. So I, I, I want to hear you jump there. Yeah, come on. Seven. There's your cup. I like brown sugar. Put it in. Drop it on in there. Into the mixer. This has actually made me much more better, like better at cooking. Yeah, that's the whole point, isn't it? Like, I learned better at using all this food. Learning half, how to use the equipment is half the battle. I ha I know how to use the oven, kind of. Kind of. And I know how to use the stove. All right, one cup of brown sugar. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. One cup of brown sugar. Going in. All right. Now, uh, two teaspoons of vanilla. That's a lot of Not really. Hey, okay. buddy. Two teaspoons of vanilla. Stop. And we're going to mix it all. Oh, no. We're going to mix it all until it's creamy. So we're going to turn on the stand mixer. Oops. That. All right. Okay. And we'll be back. Okay, so while the butter and sugars are creaming, we are going to get our batter, our uh, flour together, okay? So we need two and three quarter cups of flour, all right? So, yep. put it in here. Okay, that's one. One, dump. In the bowl, there you go. Get another cup, level it out. Yep. Scoop it in. Fill it up. Level it out with your fingers. Yep. One straight across, just like that. You can also do it with a knife, but hey, we're here. Okay? All right? We're here. Yep. Okay? And then three quarter cups. Whoop, three quarter. Three quarters of a cup. Use that one. Three quarters of a cup. That's fine. All right, then we need, a, that's it, just the one, okay? A teaspoon of baking soda. Yeah, you go clean your hands. One teaspoon of baking soda. One teaspoon of salt. Okay, one teaspoon of salt. And a quarter cup of cocoa powder. Yes, chocolate, because it's, it's chocolate, 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 right? Sounds really funny. Chocolate. So. Okay, dump it in. There you go. All now, right. we have all this fancy equipment, but like, I don't know. When the fancy equipment doesn't work, we're going to have to do it all by hand. It'll take longer, but whatever, we'll do it. Okay, now. Yep. We're going to whisk this all up and to get it all even and together get those lumps out of the cocoa powder and then we're going to go check on our butter so next we need a tablespoon of good old red dye number five now i'm going to say this right now do not use red dye number five it's terrible but red food coloring okay Eventually, we're gonna make purple cookies. We're gonna make alien cookies. Go ahead, put the red food coloring in. Okay. Carefully, do not spill it on anything. I'm sorry. There you go. Oh, it's red. It is 
red because they're red cookies. Wait, wait, wait. Go get them there, Okay. Guess what? Guess what? Hold on. All right, so now we need one whole egg and then one egg yolk. So, I'm gonna crack them this time, okay? Aw, one whole egg going in, all right? And then one egg, just the yolk. We're gonna turn down the same mixer a little bit, so mm -hmm. I... Oh no, that bite is liquor. Just the yolk. All right. Just the yolk. All right. Put that in the mixer. Okay. That's going in. Do you like set the mixer up? Right. Just put it in there. Pick up. Just dump it. Dump it on in. It's in. Okay. It's in. All right. We're gonna let that beat for a few more minutes. They're turning red because we're making red velvet cookies. Scrape the sides down. Isn't there supposed to be white chocolate and red velvet cookies? There can be, but we're going to use black. We're going to use regular chocolate. All right. So now we have to put the dry ingredients in. We're going to put it in a little bit at a time. So bring over the bowl the dry ingredients. Yep, and the quarter cup measure. In here, turn the down, turn it down a little bit. Okay. Oh, other way. There we go. That was wrong way. Yep. I'm sorry. That's that right. Nope, that's why we turned it down a little bit so it wouldn't get everywhere. All right. No, it's just too bad. Okay, get another one. Whoa, it's just fluffy and light. Mm -hmm. It's flour. I almost did right. it really well. It doesn't matter. And it goes. You can see I'm learning by how I point the flower. Mm-hmm. Because it's really bad. There you go. Okay. I pour it off. Yep, you got it. Okay, get another one. Wait, I'm not, is this uh, a liquid or a full bowl? Hmm? I thought this was like a measure thing. No, it doesn't matter. Just put the whole bowl on, but that just gives you a scooper. There you go. Next. Yep. I've been begging for red velvet cookies for like forever. A while now. Mm-hmm. They were like my third recommendation. Mm-hmm. My first recommendation was French bread. Yeah, we're still getting to that. I'm not there yet, apparently. No. It's hard, apparently. So. All right. Okay, go preheat the oven to 350 for me, would you? I can do that, maybe. We're almost done. Now we need to add one and a half cups of chocolate chips. Should be white chocolate chips, but we don't have white chocolate chips, so we're going to use regular chocolate chips. Next time, Next we'll time you use white. It doesn't matter. We're not cooking the next time, probably. These are going to light. All right, so. We should make a cookie jar. Three quarters of a cup going in. We have a cookie jar. I know, but like, that we refill. 
Okay, there we go. We're gonna mix that up and then we are going to bake them. Okay, time to put the cookies on the cookie sheets. So, teaspoon, little teaspoon, round it out. Yep, drop them on the cookie sheet. I don't know how he's even on because You don't know how these are going to become cookies? What do you mean? Like, you put a little glob on and then these become perfectly rounded like... Yeah, and they spread out. They bake. Beautiful cookies. Beautiful cookies. So... That I'm going to eat. These will be going in the oven shortly. Also... Yeah? We're trying to get through the cookie book. Do you have like a book of cookies that she does? I have a book of cookie recipes, yes. A William Sonoma book of cookie recipes. We're gonna start on that soon. That's where the chocolate chip cookies came from. Ooh, what else is in there? All kinds of stuff. Blondies, shortbread cookies. Ooh, we should do lemon meringue cookies. Peanut butter cookies. I think hazelnut meringue cookies are in there, but we can. We did, uh, I changed that and made lemon instead because we had lemons, so. You know, the best thing about recipes is you can change it and mix it up to your own likes. If you like certain spices, add it in, you know? Lemon. You want right. lemon instead of hazelnut? Why not? That sounds really good, actually. Meringue cookies. That's the, those are the cookies that I made last time, the meringue cookies that I made the other day. Yeah. Yeah, they were lemon meringue cookies. We gotta teach you how to make those. Those are good. Yes, we will make meringues soon. Meringues are super easy. All right. And we should do orange orange cookies. So that's one cookie sheet done. We'll do the next one and then put them in the oven. Our trays are done. Yeah. We're gonna put them in the oven at 350 and bake them for 12 minutes. minutes. 12, 12 minutes? minutes? And I thought they took like 40. Nope, 12 minutes. All right, they're out of the oven and cooling. Seamus, you do not get the first cookie. You do not get any cookies. Look how pretty they are. All right, your last sugar intake of the day. Go ahead. Try one. It's really good. It's really good. Awesome. They were really, really good. Adding the cream cheese in there makes all the difference. That cream cheese at the beginning with the sugar. Yeah. <clears throat> and the butter. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. So anyway, um, yes. I'm going to get out of here in just a moment. It's 420 somewhere, right? Let's... uh before I get out of here. Y'all want to do a little Justin tribute? Mick is out mowing the lawn, so he won't join me today, which is too bad. But on the other hand, he is mowing the lawn for the first time in like three months. So I had to move all the stuff around in the back so we could get the tractor out because it had been a hot minute. So, and then he had to fix the tractor because the, I don't know, Solinger was bad, cylindrical. I don't, I have no freaking clue what it's called. Anyway, the damn thing wouldn't start. The battery was dead. 
it wouldn't start, but he went out to the tractor repair store down the road. We live in a place where there's a tractor repair store down the road and uh, got a new part and fixed it very quickly. And I figured out that it is this Chiron at the bottom that screws up my audio. Yeah. Yep, sure is. We were having that same issue the other night. So, before we get out of here. Hmm. Our medical intake of the afternoon. Here we go. You want to get high? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, see, a solenoid. There it was. Anyway, he got it fixed. And now he's out riding around on the homestead on the tractor, having a grand old time. And hopefully he'll take all that leaf mulch and he'll dump it in my potato boxes because that's what I'm using instead of soil in my potato boxes. Why not? Anyhow. Oh, let's go. Solenoid. Sounds like a fat cell. Seriously. Sounds like uh, something bad in your blood. A solenoid. You know. I am not the mechanical one, by the way. Um, like... Nick keeps asking me, I don't know where the fuck the chainsaw went. I don't use the chainsaw ever. I'll use the sawzall. I'll use the little portable like table saw, not really table saw, circular saw. Um, but I won't use the chainsaw because I am likely to cut off one of my own legs, right? I've cut my fingers so many times just using my little clippers. I can't even begin to tell you. I don't use the chainsaw. Not my deal. Um, because, uh-uh, no. I'm very proud of myself that I used my, uh, drill to put together the planter box. All of my planter boxes. My little cordless drill thingy. It's about as high-tech as I get. Well, and my artisan stand mixer, obviously. My kitchen equipment now. I have every piece of kitchen equipment just about that you can imagine. Except a real double boiler. I always make one out of something. Um, but outdoor equipment, nope. That's mixed deal. I, I don't, mm -mm, nope. I would rather use a rake than some kind of big freaking mulch attachment. Whatever. Even though the mulch attachment works better. I don't care. Maybe I've really been preparing my entire life for when we don't have those things available. Because I can do it by hand if I have to for pretty much anything. I can do it by hand if I have to. <laughs> and usually I prefer to. So, again, except for my artisan stand mixer. 
I would much rather use that to make everything than have to whisk butter, you know, whisk things by hand or churn butter by hand or whatever. That's probably like the one thing that'll get hooked up to the generator when the shit hits the fan. Wix, that is the best excuse ever to be late for the show. They were out planting, lost track of time. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I hope you threw time away today. I hope everyone threw time away today and just did what you thought you should do for the day. So that's what I did yesterday with the planter box. And I'll tell you what, it was done really fast. I got the whole, I think I, I started because I went to the grocery store and the post office and stuff in the morning. So I started moving the chickens just before noon, just before tribute, and then went back out and cleared out the back area, with the weed whacker. And because uh, the weed whacker uses string, so I'm not afraid of cutting my leg off. Um, and built the planter box and filled it all up in like four hours. I got that whole thing done in four hours. It's not bad. And I wasn't paying attention to the time, except then I realized, oh shit, I have to go shut the stream down because I was mirroring my honest show. But I came in just in time and uh, there we were. So now I'm going to get out of here because it's a lot easier to replay the show if it's under two hours. I don't have to manually download it, cut it, and put it back up. So, yeah. Binford Mixmaster 3000. Oh, yes. I used to love that show. Tim Taylor. Home Improvement. Is that what it was called? Home Improvement? Yeah. Can't play that show anymore. It's not woke enough. Anyway. Uh, last but not least, before we get out of here, however, I do want to remind y'all that right now, over in Europe, all of the farmers are in revolt. The French farmers just covered the Ukrainian embassy in shit. Mm -hmm. um, they've closed off the major airport in Germany. Frankfurt, I believe. Uh, they shut down Paris. The grocery stores are bare. The shelves are bare because no farmers, no food. No farmers, no food. They're coming after our farmers here too, y'all. And a lot of our food comes from elsewhere. So grow your own food. I can't stress that enough. Grow your own food. Grow your own food. It's so easy. It's, it's really, it's really so easy. There's nothing simpler than putting a seed in the soil, putting some water on it, putting it out in the sun, stick an electroculture antenna in there. Boom. 40 days you have food, depending on what it is. But with electroculture, it's usually 40 days from seed to fruit. So, and then I found too, this is fun. The uh, seeds that are grown with electroculture, even if they're not grown with electroculture, they still grow twice as fast and twice as big. So um, 
someone sent me some chocolate tomato seeds that they had grown in an electroculture garden. And I put them in my arrow garden because I wanted to see what would happen. Obviously, I don't have electroculture in my arrow garden. It's an arrow garden. And I put some regular tomato seeds in the arrow garden, not grown with electroculture. 40 days after I initially planted the seeds, both seeds, okay, the ones that were initially grown with electroculture, the chocolate tomato seeds, um, they are already up to my ceiling. 40 days, they get, I got my first tomato off of them. 40 days, I had my first fruit off of it. And now, 90 days, they're literally hitting, they're touching my ceiling. The regular tomatoes that weren't grown with electroculture initially, that the seeds didn't come from electroculture. Um, Carl, I'll get to you in a second. Um, they, uh, they haven't even hit the light yet on the arrow garden. Like they're still, I'm just, I think I just saw the first flower on there the other day and there's no fruit on there yet. And yet I'm, I'm getting tomato, I'm pulling tomatoes off the other ones all over. So if you grow with electroculture now, well, you can, right? If there comes a time, say, when you have to flee, save your seeds because you'll get the same benefits from it. Wild. So no farmers, no food. Grow your own food. Don't forget, if you uh, spend $50 at electrofreedom.com, Add a six-pack of 12-inch antennas to your cart. Use promo code LEAP at checkout and you get that six-pack of 12-inch antennas for free. So you can start your seeds off strong now. So thanks y'all for watching. I, Mick and I will be back tomorrow at 2 p.m., 145 for the pre-show, 2 p.m. for the start of the regular show for Truespiracy. We're kind of doing a weekend roundup. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to yesterday on the Patriot Party podcast. Maybe we'll do a call-in show. Um, before the Super Bowl. So tomorrow, 2 p.m., right here, Truespiracy. And uh, go check out Killer Carl on Rumble. All lowercase, all one word. Killer Carl on Rumble. Carl with a C. Um, well, uh, I'll be checking out his videos. Maybe we'll play some of those tomorrow. So thanks y'all for watching. And uh, have a great day. Make it a great one, as Mike would say grow your own food. Stay strong and healthy. Adios. I don't want to act too high and mighty cause tomorrow I may fall down on my face. Lord, thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for joy. Thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Lord, thank you for sunshine.